TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dawnstar. Written in red by T.L. Dawnstar. Volume 2, Rogue Cannon. Chapter 6, Dark Cruiser, Resurrection. The glitching digital glitches cracked and fizzed as the watery avuncular face of Nigel the Hydro Cylinder Slinger was replaced by the hard jawline, piercing eye, and heavily stubbled lips of a legendarily ruggedly handsome face. Nigel's ineffective comb-over flickered away, and long, lush, and dangerously volumized salt-and-pepper hair, which was scraped back into a tight, tough-looking tactical ponytail, broke forth from its holographic prison. The digi-projected six-pocket thermal body warmer with heavy-duty cargo shorts pixelated out of existence and gave way to a cracked and tastefully distressed algo-croc-cropped leather jacket, dog's egg blue flexi-cotton deep v-neck shirt, and high-waisted, waterproof synth leather trousers so tight and black that they rivaled the hull of a Type 89 Euraxian stealth interceptor. The silent food court rang out with a thundering metaphorical crack that heralded the return of the Space Pirate. The last of the Space Pirates, Carl Dark Cruiser. He stood atop the table with his powerful legs thrown apart in a self-esteeming boosting stance of his own invention and activated the cyber implant that stood in place of his sacrificed left dreamy peeper. Dark Cruiser's cyber eye scanned the food court area for danger. While the optical implant had correctly identified the high probability of serious food poisoning from the discount noodle outlet located uncomfortably close to Rimpoint's frankly disgusting unispecies toilet facilities, it didn't pick up any trace of pursuing ruddy-faced men in tactical sportswear. Footnote. Just to clarify there, the use of the word disgusting is uh, due to the lacklustre cleaning regiment and general filth level of the shopping centre toilets, and not the fact that they're unispecies, which have been advised by editorial to fully support. He was crushed to abandon the store owner persona, which was, without a doubt, one of the finest in the long list of nom de plumes that he'd ever concocted. Nigel had easily rocketed to the top spot of his mental alias Rolodex, easily beating out classic characters such as the underground audio net DJ Frank Gravwave, the haughty heiress and competitive saxophone champion Saucy Badgrass, and the all-too-short-lived Ken Dimchaser. Rest easy, Nigel, old buddy, he thought melancholily, as the final chromatic aberrations of the hollow projection flickered and crackled out of existence, and he looked down at his one-time quest companion slash sidekick. Part of him was pleased to see her, but another, much fatter part of him blamed her for the murder of Nigel, and yet another part of him knew that he'd never truly forgive her for it. That smoke won't hold him for long. You should get moving. 
he said flatly as he twirled his face blaster into his trusty belt with the flair and panache of a shadowy old earth old west gunfighter who'd spent more time practicing his flashy holstering tricks than actual shooting. There's an access tube leads out of the docking bay behind the soft play area. Go! He turned and walked a determined walk towards the nearby emergency exit, his knee-high rage-strinder boots pounding the surface of the walkway determinedly. As he walked, he felt the hot eyes of Felicity Phobos burning into the back of his large head, and he spun on his Cuban-heeled heel to face her. What are you, deaf or something? I said get the hells out of here, he said with a sneer. And take that damn mutt with you. <coughs> For once in her life, Felicity Phobos was speechless, and she stood staring at Carl with a powerful cocktail of suspicion, disbelief, anger, suspicion, and anger. Carl glared right back at her for a few seconds, before he casually shrugged his broad shoulders, which, thanks to the flattering cut of the cropped jacket, looked bigger and more manlier than ever, and flounced off, but in a cool and rugged way. And just where the hell do you think you're going, zombie boy? Anywhere you ain't, sister. He made it about half a standard meter before he felt a tremendous wallop pelt him in his right bicep. Hey, you listen to me, you no good dead deadbeat. You better make with the backstory or you'll find yourself on the express hover train to Pine Town calling a beatdown parkway face left boulevard and boot in the ass junction. Carl did his best to maintain a hard-ass silence and stare the reporter down with his one metaphorically steely eye and his other actual steely eye. A few tense seconds swam through the air between them and Dark Cruiser felt the inexorable tug to pull her up on her wildly inaccurate train-based analogy. He dug his fingernails into his hard, leathery palm skin in an attempt to quell the burning inside him. But it was no good. His military-like regiment of clipping, filing, and buffing meant that the only sensation he felt in his big hand was a gentle caress, which did f all to alleviate the burning desire to correct the glib woman. Express trains don't make stops, he blurted out, unable to keep the lid on the percolating pot of pedantry any longer. There he is, said Phil with a smirk. No, you gonna tell me how the hells you got out of that vellum cluster f or not? Not, and I thought I told you to get moving. <laughs> Getting yourself killed must have really done a number on your old brain box there if you think I'm gonna take orders from you, sport. Better buckle up, buddy boy, I've got at least 38, no, 39 questions. Question one. What's with the ponytail? Question two. The lady reporter's rapid-fire inquiry ordinance pummeled Carl Darkruiser's brain, and he did his best to block out the investigative assault as he strode towards the emergency exit. He threw out his fingerless gloved fist and felt the metal studs on the knuckles of the gloves ping pleasingly against the metal activation panel of the doorway. Question 30. Will you shut the hells up? No, I think I liked you better when you were dead. Me too, but you just blew my cover. Hey, I didn't take in the shitty end of that stick. You're the one who killed the holomac. Figured it'd take you too long to figure it out on your own. He said slyly, recalling his and Phobos's first encounter on the pits, when their roles had been reversed. Footnote. See Book 1.0, The Universe Cone, for details. Go ahead, I'll wait. Actually, I won't, because if you're the sort of person who starts with the second book in a saga, then my work might go over your head a little bit. He hoped the fan-pleasing reference would be enough to hide the fact that he'd been forced to power down the holographic disguise due to the colouring agent in the dense smoke from the grenade seeping under the adjustable straps that held the miniaturized projector module in place. The chemical reaction between the keckle leaf tree-derived pigment and the cheap synthetic anastoform material of the strap had led to some serious irritation 
and Carl knew that if he didn't take immediate action, the intense itching could well develop into quite a nasty rash. For some men, maintaining a carefully constructed cloak of anonymity would have outweighed a minor dermatological issue, but not for Carl Darkruiser. He'd spent cycles cultivating and maintaining the optimal level of ruggedness in his skin, and any disruption in that finely attuned balance could send him down the path towards the soft, pale membrane of some inner rich planet ponce or the hard leathery carapace of an aging, rock-hopping helium-3 miner, both of which would have been a goddamn catastrophe for his meticulously engineered skin look. If you're through stealing my material, I've got some news for you. Well, one of your crazy conspiracy theories. Ah, Phil's facts fan, huh? Caught it once or twice. Lighting's not bad. A ringing endorsement. Look, StarCore know you're alive, and they're looking for you. Yeah, but what else is new? Those Jobsworth have been hunting Carl Darkcruiser half his damn life. And half his damn death, apparently. Darren's looking to hire you. Called you the best pilot in seven systems. Well, I guess even that jumped up little prick is right sometimes. But he must be dumber than they say if he thinks I'm working for those sons of bitches. After what they've done. They're all gone, Red. My people. I'm all that's left. He said, an embryonic single manly tear forming in his remaining eye. But I'm bad news, Phobos. You don't want to know me. Are you really not going to tell me what the hell's happened to you? Like I said, he said, you don't want to know. He could feel himself being drawn into conversation with his former plucky sidekick, but resisted the urge to reminisce about their previous thrilling adventure. She, along with the rest of the galaxy, was better off without him. You didn't piss off the most powerful secret society in the universe without paying the price, and Dark Cruiser's friends had a bad habit of picking up the check. Olive, Terry, Cayman, Spark E, Olive's weird little alien friend whose name he couldn't remember, Dank, but not really. Associate of Carl Darkcruiser had become one of the galaxy's most dangerous occupations, outstripping other infamously deadly professions like Quality Assurance Operative for Poison 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 Limited, Space Mine Coordinator, and a third example of a job with an equally high mortality rate. The emotions and memories that he'd buried under the weight of Nigel churned and bubbled within him, and he once again found himself on the edge of shedding a single manly tear. See you around, Red, he mumbled to Felicity by way of goodbye. She stepped forward and opened her mouth to say something, but whatever long-winded and perfectly stylized dialogue she had planned was cut short by the arcing electric blast of a bright blue bolt of phase energy that bounced off a nearby table and ricocheted into a fist-juice vending machine, which exploded in a hail of sparks and bits of mackerel. Carl threw himself through the doorway and slammed his back against the other side. He pounded the panel to seal the door, but another blast blasted the panel on the other side and the closing mechanism jammed, preventing the automatic door from automatically closing. Shit, not bad, that guy's a good shot! He cried in surprise, with a hint of professional jealousy in his gravelly voice, as Phil, who he completely abandoned as soon as the shooting started, rolled into cover across the hatchway. Should have known things would go to hell as soon as you turned up. Can't spell trouble without F-O-B-O-S-S. -S. You've been taking spelling lessons from my mother? Retorted Phobos, as another bolt of energy flew through the opening and struck the bare rock of the emergency escape tunnel. Activate thermal imaging said Carl, as he tapped the edge of his VizPro 1919 cyber eye. 
The model didn't feature voice control. For that, he'd have to upgrade to the premium 2020 version. But he announced the command out loud anyway, because he didn't want to look like a chump with an inferior product in front of any of the annual warehouse clearance sale and product innovation show attendees who might be passing by. The lens of his artificial eye pulsed a bright red, and through the wall in front of him, he saw the hot orange heat discharges of the various food court establishments wafting across his cone of vision. Initiate motion detection scan. The cyber eye whirred as its inferior neural interface processor processed the request, and Carl once again kicked himself for the misguided purchase. Aside from a few scurrying rat goals round the back of the Greggs, he saw no sign of movement. Whoever this guy was, he was trained to remain completely still until he fired, and was probably kitted out with some sort of thermal cloaking blanket. Dark Cruiser suddenly remembered that he was in an emergency exit tunnel and that he could probably just leg it. But his adoptive mother, Silky Carlo, had always told him, Never start the fight, Carly, but always finish it. He'd lived his whole life by those wise words. To him, they were as sacred as the guidelines of the Captain's Association, the oath of the GGA, or the terms and conditions of an extended warranty. Footnote. GGA. Galactic Guild of Assassins. You'd know that if you'd read the other book, and if you haven't, well, this is your last warning. He drew his face blaster from his beloved holster and activated the aim assist module of his cyber eye with a firm yank on the activation toggle, another cost-saving feature of the Vizpro 1919. Ha! I knew you'd be too cheap to spring for the 2020! Phil rebuked with glee. Her loud, obnoxious, but undeniably accurate takedown drew the attention of the shooter and another deadly bolt zoomed into the tunnel and exploded centimeters from Dark Cruiser's feet. Oh, that slimeball switched firing positions. Phobos, you still packing that sonic magnum? Looks like we got ourselves a good old-fashioned standoff. No dice, Lazarus, but... She tapped her wristbound communication and quick retrieval transbeam locator. You want to transbeam me back to your Starcore buddies? I don't think so, sweetheart. You know what they do to pirates. Going back there myself, you know, but I don't reckon we got many options right now. I got all the options I need right here, baby, said Carl, as he threw his phase blaster wielding hand out of the doorway and in the direction from which the most recent shot had come from. He was surprised by the joy in his voice. He'd kidded himself he wanted a quiet life for so long he'd actually started to believe it. But the thrill of having your balls to the walls, the odds stacked against you, the chips down, the clock running out, and the stakes sky high was intoxicating, and Carl realized he'd been itching for some quality gunplay for cycles. Instantaneously, the weapon was blown clear of his gloved hand and clattered to the metal grating several meters away. He frantically scrambled over to the pistol, but found it melted into an unfireable, misshapen, potato-shaped lump of twisted plasteel. The rage took him, and he combat rolled behind Felicity and poked his head out of the aperture. That was a pre-Fruit Wars Model 8 repeater, you monster! He screamed, with an intensity he hadn't mustered since his final battle with Dank Starhole aboard the ship that bore his name. Footnote. Right, if you didn't get that one, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to ask you to stop reading. You were warned. Disarmed and outgunned, Dark Cruiser assessed his options. Completely ignoring the maternal advice he'd seemed so committed to just moments earlier, he glanced down the tunnel and could just make out the pale light glinting through the hatchway at the end. Just as the thought of running down the tight back passageway was entering his mind, he felt a swoosh of recycled air whip past his left ear. 
His cool ponytail swished as he spun his head to see two shining balls clatter to the metal grating. A quick scan from his optical implant identified the spheres as a pair of localized retrochrono grenades, and his cyber eye's ballistic proximity alert flashed a pixelated skull and crossbones in front of him. Hit the deck! He shouted, just as the casings of the explosives ruptured and waves of temporal instability washed over the hewn rock tunnel around him. Before his very eye, the wide opening vanished in a hazy wobble, as everything within the range of the chrono blast was sent plummeting back through time. Carl was tempted to pop his face into the field for a second, just to shave off a couple of years and hopefully combat some of the deep lines that had emerged across his forehead in the last few cycles. But judging by the speed at which the tunnel was disappearing, he guessed that the target time zone was thousands of cycles in the past. I don't know what you did to piss this guy off, but he's packing some serious kit. Oh, so this is my fault, mister? I'm bad news. We need to get eyes on this creep. What we need is to get the hells out of here. Felicity jabbed desperately at the transbeam retrieval device strapped across the surprisingly dainty wrist that held her not-at-all dainty hand. Forget it, Felix. You'll never get a signal through this rock. Our only way out of here is the access tube through the food court. Let me find out you were alive and kicking five starmans ago and you're already trying to get yourself killed. Another shot blew up the neon sign above the door. That Jekyll Hopper up there's got to reload at some point. I reckon maybe three, four more shots and we'll have our window. Just gotta draw his fire. Dark Cruiser struggled to get his big fingers into the incredibly snug pockets of his tight midnight black synth leather trousers. After about a full starmin of painful finger scraping, during which he vowed never again to choose fashion over the practicalities of pocket accessibility, no matter how incredible his toned ass looked in the black pants, he produced a small brassy colored disc. He twisted the metal casing and the iris configuration concealment mechanism peeled back, revealing a pristine hollow projection lens. He held up the device to his face and a glowing green grid scanned his masculine features. He quickly repeated the procedure across his arms, chest, legs, and penis. He checked his reserve of smoke grenades and found a single unit remaining. A plan hastily snapped together in his mind. You ready, Frida? He asked, as he held the brass disc in his left hand in preparation for chucking. Once I love this smoke out, we make a run for the access tube and I drop this hollow decoy to draw his fire. Got it? We'll never make it across in time. If I can just get this damn thing open, I can reset the signal inhibitor matrix, reset the recall geolocator transponder, and beam us the hells out of here. There's no telling what kind of firepower that dickhead up there's got, and I don't much feel like being devolved into primordial goo if he loves another retro chrono grenade in here. Do you? I don't know, at least I could get a decent conversation on his goo. But she didn't have a second to enjoy her searing put down as another deadly bolt blasted the edge of the doorway. Ah, fine. Can it in, dead man. Three. He gripped the smoke bomb tight. Two. He readied the hollow decoy. One. Carl felt his lungs burning as he ran through the smoke. God's out of shape, he thought. But all the discomfort in his chest-based breathing organs was quickly and violently put out of his mind by something much, much, much worse. He felt a white, hot symphony of pain explode between his thighs and surge outwards through his entire body in a tidal wave of torment. Carl Darkruz's life did not flash before his eyes. He faintly heard someone calling his name. Then nothing. Nothing but an unbroken, impenetrable blackness. The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles is a production of Dawnstar Audio, 
written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. The voice of Carl Darkruiser was T.L. Dawnstar, and Felicity Phobos was Theodora C. Sinclair. Next chapter, The Setup.